Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 3rd, 2019. Last week I told you that it will feel like it's completely endless because so much is going to be happening in the next two weeks. So, so much. But today we're going to see that everything we've learned about, talked about, seen happen, and, uh, and kind of under cloak and dagger have been coming out in like little drip, 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 drip everywhere that the past is actually proving the present, that people are simply not paying attention to a lot of things. We have so much to talk about. Um, Talk about the UK visit, talk about Assange, talk about Iran, talk about Syria, talk about AT&T. And we talked about AT&T on air seven months ago. Seven months ago, we talked about AT&T. Seven months ago, we talked about Syria. Looks like We're seven months ahead of the game. Seven months ago, we talked about Venezuela, but it's only been a month that we talked about Africa. So I just want you guys to remember that and be like, oh, wait, I knew about it. So this weekend has been crazy, right? It's Monday and you don't know where to start from. It's like a kid in a candy store. Where do I start? Do I talk about this? Do I talk about that? Because so much has unfolded like I predicted. Because this UK visit is very important. Ever see the movie when you're running away from a predator? Right? When you're running away from a predator because you want to build your army. Have you seen that movie where they're like, you know, they're running and they're formulating their army. And this army is vast in regards to covert, hiding in trees and whatever. And then as you're running, you seem to backtrack Because they will expect you to move forward rather than backward. Well, what if you went to their house? Like, you know, what if you were my enemy and during the time where war is a front, where would you go and hide? You'd hide in a cave, you'd hide underground, you'd go into space. No, you'd go to their house. So right now, the palace is the best place to be. It is the most bestest ever, ever, ever to be. While the Secretary of State is country hopping, while the Attorney General is state hopping, and while our military is getting ready, and while our allies that nobody knows about or infers that they're enemies but they're really allies are talking, While war is brewing and we're letting it go and saying, well, I told you, you need to fix this, pointing it out, we're safe. While the Democrats are under attack, 
And while the media doesn't know what to do, the media is telling you just how bad President Trump is, but they have no person they can put on the pedestal to compete. So they're saying, don't vote for President Trump, but vote for, oh, I don't know that yet. You see where I'm going? They have no one they can write on. And I'm going to be right again. Seven months ago, we talked about Yang. We talked about Yang. We talked about it. We talked about the underdog. We talked about the guy that nobody wants to talk about because what they're doing is to try to see if they can mitigate with the clowns they have forward. Biden can't survive. He's done. He's already done. Any African-American that votes for this racist clown deserves what they get. You know, Democrats get angry when you take away their slaves. So do the Chinese. The Chinese are really, really upset right now with what's going on in South Africa. But we'll get to that next month. We'll really get to that next month. So you remember gold. So gold has been my niche, following gold. So a few months ago, I told you, Right before we heard about Venezuela, I told you about gold in Venezuela. You can go and find my shows on iTunes, on Stitcher, where I talk about gold. I told you at the beginning of the year on the New Year's Eve, the problems that we have with China. I also talked about gold. Seems like a lot of us are interested in finding and uh, filtering out where the money is. Gold is the answer. I also have to look into that regionally. And for those out there that listen to pay attention, if I'm on the sniff, I knew Russia was shipping gold out of Venezuela three months before the news did. You better believe that if I'm locally looking into gold going missing, then I'm going to find it. And that's just for those ears that are listening to understand where the plot is going. So let's talk about, oh, maybe we should talk about Bangladesh. No. Let's leave Bangladesh for tomorrow. It's really important we talk about that. But let's leave it for tomorrow. Let's go to Syria first. And we're only going to say a few things about Syria. I'm going to play you a clip so of the president talking about Syria. And I want you guys to remember, those of you that have been listening for a long time, those of you that remember the things that I've said, I mentioned one city, right? One city that I've been talking about that is strategically important. One, and you can go back. I even think that one of my shows was titled Idlib. Listen to what the president has to say about Syria and the city of Idlib. I don't like what's happening in Syria with Idlib. I gave people a warning seven months ago. I stopped it. I don't like what's happening. They're killing indiscriminately many, many civilians. Bad things are happening over there. Did you hear that? They're killing indiscriminately. I told you seven months ago about Syria. I told you about that. I already told you. You know, that's the bottom line. I warned. And the warning is, and I have laid it out to you, Russia will do anything to ensure that Idlib stays. Geostrategically, Idlib is important. Turkey is messing around with the wrong people. And this will come out. I mean, I've had people that I've had this conversation with, and even this morning, well, why doesn't he just call out Turkey? No, you're not. 
because we can't. And Russia's careful too because they're like, well, what if it's not Turkey when we all know it's Turkey, but I can't prove it's Turkey, but we all know it's Turkey. Then the F-35, S-400 deal goes. And you're thinking, well, Russia just doesn't sell the S-400, you know, missile, um, missiles down to Turkey. Well, that's a dent in their economy for building it for them. But on the other hand, they won't have access to our F-35s. So it's a pretty hot mess of ISIS. Well, well, let's let's call them mercenaries, right? Mercenaries being paid, the Turkish people moving their supposed green zone but participating, Russia going back and forth between Turkey, the uh, mercenaries, and, and, and Russia, all three of them. It's just a hot mess. We should have left Prince in there, but okay, whatever. Um, he should have been in there. The, the, the bottom line is, the president, as well as many other news sources and people online, have been telling you things for a while. And it seems that the media and even the people of the United States that are trying to be active citizens but have not clocked on yet. To be active, you need to be preemptive, meaning that you understand, you remember, you put things together, you you see the pieces before the pieces, before the picture is given to you on a box, kind of like puzzles. You kind of do the corners and then you fill it in. Nobody does the corners anymore. Everyone's waiting for the box picture and then tries to find pieces that fit the picture to make sense of it. No, guys, we can make sense of our own things, right? Remember, you always get the corner pieces, right? And then the outline and then you work your way in to get the full picture. That's how it should be. We shouldn't be relying on a box picture to tell us. And that box picture is usually the MSM. And I reinforce that again and again. At the beginning of this meeting, the president actually had a go at a reporter. I wanted you guys to listen to what he said to him. Hold on, let me get it. I'm really okay with that. Well, people ask me questions like you. You're asking me a question. Don't ask me the question if you don't want me to talk about it. All right, so that gets us to the next topic. He's like, is it okay for you to comment on Brexit and their elections and stuff? He's like, well, you're asking me the question. If you don't want me to answer the question, don't ask it. The reason he is doing this is because the British are now concerned that the president throwing his, um, you know, his weight behind Boris, the president supporting Boris, the president weighing in on Brexit is meddling with their policy. And I'm thinking, well, hold on a second, guys. You used your intelligence agencies, you used your intelligence assets, and you used the power of your global media, the power of your global media, to prevent President Trump from being elected, to remove a sitting president, and you made comments galore during the elections, endorsed Hillary Clinton during the elections, and you want us to stay impartial? You mean you don't want us to be honest? Did you guys see the debacle in Israel? They had elections and now they're doing a do-over? Smells like something we remember, right? It's horrible. And um, the thing is, with the president of the United Kingdom, we'll get to the next topic by listening to them complain 
the president is getting is it right that he's commenting on our elections and it's like um so it's okay for you to do it it's okay to mobilize your intelligence assets to ensure that he never gets elected and while he's elected mobilize them to remove him talk about him slander him right put up blimps Talk smack, but the minute he's like, well, my opinion is so-and-so will do great because Boris was butting heads back in the day. And Brexit, they should have sued the EU. If he would have, if, if, if the Brits would have listened, they would have been out clean cut with no penalties, no losses. But they don't listen because they never wanted out. It was an unprecedented move. But you know what scares them the most about Trump talking? is because the world loves our president. The world, the rest of the world wishes they had a president, Donald Trump. That is what they wish for. I mean, and we saw it today when they were touring, uh, you know, the the queen's collection of historical historical artifacts americana i would guess and you know what i found ironic is that the first booth thingy set up at george washington's face and i was like oh my gosh the first one they see is the dude that liberated people from them you know what they would consider a traitor right the one that you know separated the united states from the crown business wise Business-wise, I mean, you can't control blood now, Kenya, but cut them off business-wise, they put him first. And what I saw was the President Trump I had met, the guy with the cute smile that was all full of warmth, that was, you know, so affectionate, and he's looking at this dainty little old lady that he towers over, his wife looking so incredible next to him, so elegant, um... And enjoying themselves, and the queen enjoyed him too. And you could see it on her face, the way they would interact. She was your typical lady, like, look over here and look at this, and explained a few things to him. And as you followed, you would see the type of energy they had, which was great. And you could see Camilla, who I can't, bowels, who, you know, after Diana was unfortunate right? Swooped in to get next to the prince. I loathe her. She's disgusting. And Prince Charles, all just like not even paying attention, not going through the tour thing. Jared Kushner and Ivanka looked awkward, awkward, kind of like, yeah, okay. It looks nice. Yeah. Haha. Great. Thanks, historian, whatever. President Trump and Flotus were like super in with the queen. Like they were really meshing. And you know what? Here's here's something that I, I said to my husband. He's British. We were in England and it was the Queen's birthday. He's like, it's her... I don't even remember if he said something like she was in her 80s or something. I was like, how could she still be 80? I remember when I was a kid, she was like 80. Like, what do they do to this woman? Throw her into cryo and defrost her every now and then? Walk her about? Like, there is... She's like been the same for three decades. And anyone who knows me, whenever the conversation of the queen comes in, it's like, dude, she's like forever frozen 80. She doesn't age. She looks the same. Um, She has not changed at all. And she seemed really pedestrian today uh, for the queen. She looked pedestrian in the sense of her posture, which leads me to believe maybe, maybe not. I don't know. She just seemed pedestrian. Uh, having seen the queen before in many videos, she just seemed pedestrian. I can't explain it any other way. Regardless, 
It looks great. The visit looks like it's going great. And I'm pretty sure while the president is there, there's going to be a few requests made. I mean, May's on her way out. She should have listened to the president. She didn't. She's on her way out. They got elections coming in. And we've got the ball in our court. So I'm really hoping that we swoosh it from the three-point line and get what we need. So let me play this quick clip of the Brits being really upset that the president chimed in on their elections. ...by British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt, who is also vying for leadership of the country's Conservative Party and ultimately the title of Prime Minister. He joins us from London. Uh, Welcome to Face the Nation. Um, We know that the president has given some interviews ahead of his uh, arrival in the UK, and he said of Boris Johnson, one of your rivals, he would do a very good job, he would be excellent. He's made other comments. Uh, Should the president be weighing in on your election? Well, we've got to know the president a bit over the last few years. Good morning, Margaret, by the way. And, and we're, we're quite used to uh, the fact that he does the unexpected thing. And <laughs> it's not going to affect the warmth of the welcome that we give him because uh, Britain and America are two of the greatest friends you find anywhere on the planet. Did you hear what he said? Oh, it doesn't matter that he chimed in. It won't, like, affect the warmth of the welcome. But you need to listen to the, the, the next few minutes, too, of what's really going on in this interview. And this is key. And this is how you signal people. <clears throat> and we'll talk about that later, too. And uh, we want to celebrate the fact that uh, 75 years ago, we had uh, more than a million U.S. troops stationed in the U.K. Uh, fighting for our freedom. Uh, over 400,000 Americans lost their lives in the Second World War. And no two countries have done more to stand together for the values that that you and I and everyone watching this show believes in freedom, democracy, the rule of law, all those things that really, really matter. And uh, we're just delighted that President Trump is coming here so that we can celebrate that together. Okay, so if I have a vinyl record, it would be like, what? Hold on. We value the same thing. No, we don't. We got our independence from you guys in 1776 because... You don't stand for the things we stand for. We came to your aid because that's the right thing to do as a free nation. And it's the right thing to do when it's part of the plan. Hmm. Let's just be straight with people. Okay. It was all part of the plan. And we delved in and this is why we were holding the torch. Well, that's why Obama was holding the torch. Let's be honest with each other. Okay. Because we don't have any common values with the United Kingdom as a crown. Okay. They look over 16 different countries. Nope, 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 nope. Our country does not have the same values, yet our country represents the values that the citizens of the United Kingdom want and can't have. Remember that. That's key because I can't believe he's sitting there saying these things when our values don't really match. Uh, the special relationship, indeed. Um, in that interview, the, the president also said he likes you, too. Um, and he said that some candidates had asked for his endorsement. I'll take the compliments where I can get them. <laughs> Did you ask him for an endorsement? Uh, no, I have never asked. And, uh, I, you know, I think uh, my job is to represent the British government. And uh, I think the, the worst thing anyone could imagine is a foreign secretary talking about the future leadership of the country when he's there to represent the current government and the current prime minister. And I want to ask you about your work in that. Did you hear that? He's like, I'm running for it. But, you know, since I'm still the foreign secretary and I'm supposed to support the current prime minister that's still in office, I can't comment. I tip, hat tip for that man, right, on saying that, hat tip, because Obama wasn't like that. He wasn't like that. 
we don't see that happening here. There's no hat tip for anybody for decades that has run and not spoken negatively, especially when they're running and the other people are still in office, right? Let's keep that in mind. But I have to ask you another uncomfortable question, and that's even worse because it's about the royals. The president had made some comment about Meghan Markle, referring to her as nasty for comments she made about him back in 2016. Is any of this going to disrupt? Okay, so he said, oh, I didn't know that she was nasty like that. Meaning that she's rude and nasty. She said she was going to move if he got elected. Well, she did. She became royalty and she moved and now she is part of the United Kingdom. That is a nasty comment to make. As an American citizen, no matter who is elected president, you are an American citizen first. If you want to revoke your citizenship because you don't like the president, then go ahead and do so. And I find that nasty, disgusting, and loathing. doesn't mean that she is nasty looking okay, or nasty-ish, but her comments were nasty. And, you know, it's okay for the Democrats to wear shirts, I'm nasty. But when you call them nasty, they don't like it. Uh, the welcome? I don't think it's going to disrupt the welcome at all, because I think the other thing we've learned from the president is that regularly we have to agree to disagree. And there's a whole list of things that we don't agree with the administration on, but it doesn't affect the fact that we have the most important partnership that there is in the world for freedom, democracy, the rule of law, the things that really matter, and that's what uh, we're celebrating. I want to ask you about one of the things that the UK and the US have had some disagreement on, and that is uh, the threat posed by Iran. The UK had wanted the US to stay part of that international deal to freeze Iran's nuclear program. Obviously, the president did not. Um, do you think that that decision and labeling the IRGC a terrorist group has contributed to the rising tension in the Middle East? Well, we've never disagreed with the U.S. about the threat posed by Iran. And we uh, see the intelligence that the U.S. sees. We have a, a very close intelligence-sharing relationship, and we see the destabilization that's happening in Syria, Iraq. Yeah, we do have a good sharing intelligence network. But we don't share facts, do we, England? We share what you want the people to know, Right. Here's where we're getting into the nitty gritty. This is what you guys need to understand. This is exactly what you need to understand, what's going to be discussed and what is going on. Jeremy Hunt is really holding well. Jeremy Hunt looks like the guy that is like a Whitaker. Can I explain it? But he's not like Whitaker. Don't get me wrong. But he's kind of the UK's Whitaker, if that makes any sense. Uh, the guy that's really good on the tightrope, 100 feet up in the air with no harness. He's really good at this. Lebanon, across the Middle East, the Yemen as well. And so we completely agree that uh, something has to be done to stop that because this is one of the most fragile regions on the planet. But we do want to make sure that Iran doesn't go nuclear. And we think that uh, if Iran acquired nuclear weapons... Other countries in the region would be likely to follow suit, and that could be very, very dangerous. And so you know, we have a very honest discussion. That's why we signed up with the previous administration to the Iran nuclear deal. And we want to make sure that whatever happens as tensions rise, as they seem to be rising at the moment, we don't lose uh, one of the big achievements of the last few years, which is that Iran doesn't have a nuclear weapon at the moment. Just think how much worse it would be today 
if we were having to confront the possibility of an Iran with nuclear weapons. We don't want that to change. Okay, so before we break, I just want to say something on that. So for the first time, you hear someone saying that they don't have nuclear weapons because people keep thinking that they have nukes and we're controlling how many nuke missiles they have. Like I said, it's about enriched uranium. But I refer back to Idlib. Idlib is a hotbed to the green zone of Turkey and where mercenaries fester. Why Idlib? First of all, it's coastal. Secondly, it's proximal to Turkish. And the Turkish people have more authority there. The concerns is not so much Iran having nuclear weapons, but the ones in the green zone. If anything, we should be keeping eyes on Turkey because Turkey has such a strong relationship with Iran. And I'm telling you this from multiple sources. The concerns that we have is that the enriched uranium over the amount quota is being funneled through Turkey. And this is why Idlib is so important because it was found to be closest to be able to access port, closest to be able to access Turkey, and has become the hotbed. It's like a triangle. I can't explain it otherwise. It's like a triangle of where they go through. And this raises many concerns because with what's going on in Idlib, with Russia getting, you know, staunchy, remember, We've got S-400 missiles that are to be delivered next month to Turkey by Russia, which I've explained and I wrote an article about it. You can find it on torysays.com about how important it is that they don't follow through with this if Turkey wants the F-35s. I'm really happy with the president not delivering F-35s to Turkey right now because Russia needs them to have the S-400 so they can make patches so the F-35s you know, pass the test and don't recognize them as enemies. But on the other hand, remember, we have enriched uranium going through Idlib to Turkey, which means the concerns that we have is who's really making the weapons. I'll see you all in a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? 
Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So we're continuing on our UK analysis and what's going on. Um, I uh, I wanted to say that I have a few reporters that I absolutely adore. One of them that I absolutely adore is um, Cork, Kevin Cork. I adore him. Uh, I want you guys to listen to early, early this morning, uh, Kevin talking from uh, London. He's part of the White House press. I mean, this guy is my choice for like who a Dan Rather would be because he is so impartial, doesn't play politics and reports things as is. And, you know, I simply adore that, especially when you are in a corporate environment like Fox or CNN to be able to stand out wholesomely and not opine, but give straight facts. Uh, take a listen to this morning uh, show from Fox where he spoke. Let his uh, fingers do the talking so far. <laughs> yeah. Royal welcome at Buckingham Palace. So are they rolling out the red carpet for him? They've rolled out the red carpet for Kevin Cork. He's our man this morning in London. <laughs> Kevin, uh, the president is expected to face an interesting welcome this morning, and he's already let his uh, fingers do the talking so far. <laughs> Yeah, he's been active on Twitter. No real surprise there, guys. Great to be with you here at Buckingham Palace. Actually, a bit of a gusty, windy, uh, and unseasonably cool start to the visit here in the U.K., but no less of a warm welcome uh, by British officials as the President and First Lady Melania uh, deplaned Air Force One, the presidential aircraft, for what promises to be a very interesting uh, state visit here over the next several days. A lot of pomp and circumstance, unlike the usual working visits. Uh, this will be less about policy and security and other issues and more about social events. And we're certainly looking forward to bringing you all that and a chance, as you mentioned, for the U.K. to roll out the red carpet. A number of social gatherings planned, including stops at Buckingham Palace, Westminster Abbey, tea with Prince Charles and Camilla, and a lavish state dinner with Her Majesty, the Queen of England. Now, the visit also comes. 
Blech. Having tea with Camilla. Oh my gosh, I loathe her. And I retweeted a picture of her and Prince Charles staring down Melania. They can't, they are so envious of her and President Trump. It's ridiculous. And wow, our first lady just looks amazing, doesn't she? Um, so I want to continue with Jeremy Hunt because this is where we get into the meat of this second half hour of this first hour. Take a listen. Well, Ambassador Bolton has said they will bring evidence against Iran and this threat to the United Nations. I know you just met with him. Is the U.K. supporting uh, the U.S. campaign to put more pressure on Iran? We absolutely recognize we need to put more pressure on Iran. And we agree that the status quo, even with the um, lack of nuclear weapons in Iran, the status quo is not sustainable when you have incredibly tense situations uh, because of the activities of Hezbollah in Lebanon attacking Israel, because of uh, some of what the Houthis have been doing to Saudi Arabia, uh, because of the threats to American interests in Iraq. These are things that are not stable, they're not acceptable. And if we're going to find an accommodation, uh, both the US, both Ambassador Bolton, uh, Mike Pompeo, who I meet regularly, and the President, we all see the end game in this sitting around the table and having talks with Iran. And it's a question of creating the context where those talks can be successful. Oh, you mean like a couple months ago, how I said that Iran wants to meet with the president and how the president went to Abe, you know, that chill, laid back character that's always part of the good group of boys, you know, in those uh, coming of age films, right? That strays and goes with the bad guys out of necessity to sell drugs or pawn cars. And then in the end comes back as one of the strongest ones. You always need that bad boy in your group. That's Abe. So Abe is actually in Iran this week talking with the Iranians. And the issue that the United Kingdom has is, is how transparent those conversations may be. Because the key here is not so much the uranium, because we do find a threat with the enriched uranium, because if they go over the, the capacity of creating it, right, with their centrifuges or whatever, and they make more, where does that excess go? And if you look at the contract, it clearly states how the sale goes through. I can tell you, a lot of us keep thinking that oil is funding these terrorist groups, that oil is the problem that we're having. What the problem we're having is, is that these mercenaries are exporting enriched uranium through Idlib. Again, I say it. And this is just from multiple sources and many minds like myself that love to sit and pan out theories using math. And this is why these two months are very important and I want to see is Barr going to keep the bar? Is he going to be a dolphin like Comey? Or is he going to maintain course? That's the question here. And I said that in November. Said it in December. Said it when he was finally confirmed in February like I had predicted in November. This is where it comes down to. And these are all related. You think Iran is, is not? Where do you think all that cash went? Who washed it? And where did it come back to? Okay. Where did that money come back to? That's all we have to remember. The U.S. has filed an extradition uh, request with your government to have Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, here uh, in the United States to face justice. We know U.N. officials raise concerns about human rights violations if he's sent here. Does your government take that seriously? Okay, before we listen to his answer, 
remember the day that Assange went, and I wrote an article about it. Remember how many times I've said it on air. If Assange stays within the UK prison, he is vulnerable. He will get sick. He will get psych warfare. Remember, Brad Manning came in, went out as Chelsea Manning. Pay attention. This is why he didn't show, even on video, for his preliminary hearing. This is very, very important. We have beefed up our charges to make it extraordinary to force the hand of the United Kingdom to hand him over. He will be safe as long as he is in our hands. He is not safe as long as he is in their hands. We need him to clear things up and put it as it is. Now, Jeremy Hunt is going to give a very strategic posturing answer. The question is, is he a flipper like Dolphin, like Comey? Smart and a double of a double flip? Pay attention to what his answer is here. Well, we have absolute confidence in the judicial processes in the U.S. The U.S. and the U.K. are the two countries that do more to stand up for the uh, rule of law across the world. We, both our constitutions strongly respect the independence of the... Okay, uh, I really have to have an effect of a vinyl screech. Rule of law in the United Kingdom? How did you lock up Tommy Robinson? Who are we kidding? Posturing 101. Judiciary. Um, but Julian Assange is someone who is alleged to have committed some very serious crimes, uh, alleged to have led to people's deaths. Um, and so it is absolutely right that he faces justice, and he has no more reason to escape justice than anyone else who's alleged to have committed crimes. So I think what's happened is the right thing. So if you do become prime minister, you would not stand in the way of an extradition of Assange to the United States? Well, we would have to follow our own legal processes, just as the U.S. has to follow its own legal processes. But do I think, uh, would I want to stand in the way of Julian Assange facing justice? No, I would not. President Trump has said uh, one of the things... Do I find it that he doesn't face justice? No, I do not. He wants Julian Assange to face justice, but he reinforced that he will. it will have to go through the UK judicial process. I'm going to tell you, if I was President Trump and I was having a social visit, I'd be like, listen, man, I want to see this guy. I want to talk to him myself. I want no cameras. I want him in a skiff, one-to-one. I want to talk to him, and I want this fixed. Give me Assange, and I won't you know, pull your pants down. Give me Assange, and I won't destroy the image that you guys are upholding. Give me Assange. All those idiots sitting out there and making all these comments are so dumb. As long as he is in the cans of the Europeans, he's done for. Assange will come out with a brain full of mush. And you know, mush doesn't necessarily mean he'll be drooling from the side of his mouth and not being able to see. It means that he will have people in front of him and he won't be able to see them because he's not programmed to see them. Which leads me to the next topic that we're going to go into. So remember that phrase. Assange is a very important key here. And I find that the president's visit today, considering that we're having a preliminary hearing with all these charges coming up, is important. And also what I find interesting is that The Hill finally says, because they're leaking it, 
They're clowns. They're leaking it because they know that they can't push to keep Assange in jail. They need to free him, even though Biden called him a terrorist. You know, they want to make the Democrats look like they're for journalism. They're now trying to leak out that the charges are, in fact, bogus. So The Hill published an article this morning, which I found interesting. It's interesting because it's titled, Assange won't be charged in CIA leak report. Um, in CIA leak, and this is a report. So here's, here's what Mary McCord, remember over a week ago, who did I mention? Oh, our lovely Mary McCord, didn't I? This is where people aren't paying attention to where the real drops are. Uh, you know, they come in all shapes and form. Mary McCord. Quote, there is no questions that there are leak cases that can't be prosecuted against the leaker or the leaky because the information is so sensitive that for you to proof for you, for your proof at trial would have to confirm that it's authentic. Oh, so Mary McCord, who served as the acting assistant attorney general for the national security division of the justice department said that. So the irony often is that the higher the classification of leaked material, the harder it is to prosecute. Yep, that's right. Come at me. That's the way it is. Because the more you say and the higher classification it is, they can't prosecute you because then you're telling the truth. And for them to prosecute you means that you've been telling the truth. Understood? So remember, under the initial count and 17 counts of Espionage Act violations, 17 of them. <laughs> See, there is so much that people miss. So if someone sits here and tells you something of such high classification, they can't prosecute you. See, because if they do, then you'll have to explain to the judge why it is that they're prosecuting you. I mean, if the person's just crazy as you claim, or it's outrageous, then you can't really prosecute, can you? Are you understanding what's going on here? Because the information that Assange said, ha has, and he said, he has more than what's been published. But sometimes things are so out there that you just can't fathom that they exist. And if someone were to prosecute you for putting it out there, then it would say that that stuff that is so out there that no one would ever even think of it being remotely correct or true or substantial in merit is true. So come at it. That's the way it is. And that leads me to this. So we know Assange is there. I said he was going to get sick. He's sick. He didn't turn up. But what I wanted to put your eyes on is something interesting that happened at Virginia Beach. You know, the shooting and all. So we know this guy, he was former National Guard. He worked at Virginia Beach. He was a city, and I'm air quoting, employee. And I want you to read 
I want you to listen to while I read to you eyewitness testimony. He had the gun down by his side. He was so close to me. He swung his arm out. He damn near hit me with the gun. That's how close we were. But he never raised the gun at me. He looked up at me briefly, though. Well, I thought he was pretending to be a shooter for a drill because the obnoxious-looking gun appeared to be a prop, and he didn't point it at me. Oh, wait a minute. The gun he used... I didn't know that the gun he used is obnoxious. How is the gun that he used obnoxious? Have you guys seen a lot of, you know, 45s that are obnoxious? I'm just saying, how is this happening? How is it uh, specific obnoxiousness? Did it have Hello Kitty stickers on it? Was it, um, you know, uh, bedazzled with jewelry? Like, how is it obnoxious? I don't see how that gun can be obnoxious. A lot of people are claiming it's gun control. I'm telling you, it's elimination. Let me rephrase how I want to put this. So it's important that we understand the next pieces of testimony so it has more context. By the way, he walked past me. He barely gave me a glance and never broke stride. I either thought he was playing the part of the bad guy or playing the part of someone pursuing a bad guy. So this guy thought it was a drill. So this gentleman who gave the interview, his name is Karlstrom, C-A-R-L-S-T-R-O-M. He gave this interview with AP. He said uh, he went back to his desk to retrieve his phone. Craddock, the shooter, who of course is black, not white, you know, doesn't fit the narrative. He comes back into the room. Inman, a person who's an account clerk at the city's public utilities department, said he turned around and saw Craddock standing there with a gun. Inman said he told him, Dwayne, stop. Huh. He turned and looked straight at me, but he didn't see me. He looked straight in my face, and he did not see me standing there because he didn't raise his gun. He didn't even make an indication that he saw anyone, said this account clerk. To me, that was the Holy Spirit, you know, in, you know, making sure that it was obfuscating him, he says, uh, when that man, where he didn't see Terry Inman standing there. This is what they said. So you're walking in, you can't see the person in front of you, you're looking at someone, and it's like you're looking at dead space, you look dead in the eyes, totally normal. Totally normal that this guy supposedly 12 hours earlier had put in his resignation to leave, but still had access to the building, walked in with a gun and did all this. Who did he take out? That's what you need to pay attention to. See, that's not what we're getting though. We don't know who he was taking out. We don't know where he went and the accounting clerk saw him. So why are we in accounting? What are we getting rid of? See, these are things people need to ask. Great movies are made, but all movies embody truth. You can never tell a story without it being based on truth. Because then your story is so fantastical that it makes absolutely no sense and no one can relate to it. 
How many stories have you seen about, I don't know, technology that can do such things? Technology that we've had for a very, very long time and is just now evidently put into use. Just so happens to be the center of Navintel. Hmm. Pretty curious right there. So that this weekend, all this occurred is not by chance with the president in the United Kingdom. It is not by chance that Strzok deleted his messages. It is not by chance that things were being shredded. It is not by chance that hammers and bleach bit were used. It is not by chance that every single thing pertaining to the source or to the control or to the war for power is being deleted and erased. The problem is we have 17 agencies with contractors everywhere. And if the technology that those contractors use against us is just one way, and if you think that, you're dumb. Because... If you can monitor me, I, ergo, can monitor you. So it's both ways. I don't care how many different types you can have, your secret circle. A lot of us have that. A lot of us. But still, that's insurance. In a world of lack of trust to humanity, because those that play in these games have no integrity. If you know that you are entering into a deal with someone that cannot instill trust or that does not have moral values from just one small action, then how do you enter it correctly? It's dog eat dog talk. Speaking of dogs, my dog got really sick over the weekend and it was so weird how this works. I have a, um, a 10 year old lab who's not doing well. And it's really sad for me to talk about it. So I was like avoiding phone calls all weekend because I was just teary eyed. Um, But it's just so weird that canine is the key clue word here. We've got so many people talking about dogs. So weird, right? It's like people, you know, sometimes when you want to say something, You either come out and say it and know that no one can refute it because then it's proving that you're correct or you hide it in plain sight. Sometimes you talk about historical figures. Other times you talk about canines. You know, it's like so funny. It's just a going theme universally. It's a going theme of these canines. So many people talking about canines this weekend. Which ends to this. People need to understand that when we were looking at the landscape in 2017 after the inauguration, everyone wanted to place a hat on someone. Either that would be white, black, or gray. The one thing people cannot see is those that wear a black hat, but when they lift, it's a white hat. But the problem is, is there a hat under that hat? Comey, 
for example, during the elections, right, during the campaign time of the elections, indicated by his actions to be very sloppy, to deliberately make errors that would allow room for retroactively going back to rectify, which would in essence provide you the impression that even though his actions were nefarious, they may indeed be those of a white hat. And so with that posturing, some trust is given. It's like a rope. You give some slack and they pull. And you see, and you've groomed, you've done. But the minute they take the bow down and those hats fall off, when you don't see two hats, but you see three hats, that's where trust is lost. No matter how many times you try to expand your contracted words to prove it. Because, I mean, how do you trust an Indian giver, you know, where they give you something and then they take it back from you? How do you trust? You can't. How do you trust a cheating husband or a cheating wife who says they're not going to do it again? For me, that's like, we're done. Trust is really important. And when people don't allow loss... based on their values, then their values were never there to begin with. How many people have put their own lives, their own safety, their own selves as people on the line for what they believe in? Those are the people that can be trusted, not flippers. Dolphins are smart but they flip and jump around a lot. Whales are steady and smart. And way larger in size than any. They may not be easy to maneuver, but they're so big they come because they come in droves uh, to compose it. The people of the United States spoke during the elections And they will be speaking again. It seems that my connection has been disconnected. I'll see you all right after this break. to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, Unfiltered news.
Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. For some reason, when I started talking about Comey and his crazy expanded contraction replacement tweets, everything went on the fritz. Funny, huh? So this hour, what I want to discuss is more domestic policy. Tomorrow will be more foreign. But before I head into that, I mean, we spoke about Syria, we spoke about Iran, we spoke about Turkey, we spoke a bit about the UK. We'll have more on that tomorrow. We need to focus domestically what's going on, but there's a little bit of a foreign twist. So we all know that the European Union is freaking out right now. They are under pressure with Nord Stream 2. Remember, the Danes are all over that. The Danes are all over supporting or not supporting, but staying kind of neutral with this whole Nord Stream 2 pipeline with Russia and Germany. They're running frantically. They lost hard in the election, still not ready to talk about it because the dust is literally still settling. We see elections across the globe. Bangladesh is something we really need to talk about, but we'll leave it out on the BRICS conversation. We've got gold that's being tracked throughout our nation that's gone missing. And we're not talking Fort Knox. We're talking other stuff. There is so much going on domestically that is tied into the EU that, again, would be so out there, like our friend McCord said, that if we actually prosecute, uh, we're going to have to admit that it's true. <laughs> As you can understand, that's what's awesome. Which, before we get into media, before we get into monopolies, before we get into that, I want to talk about deep fake. So we all know that we've had the technology to make it seem that a person is doing things even though they're not. And we voluntarily contributed to that using the new iPhone and Android tech where you can make your face a piggy emoji or a a fox emoji or a monkey emoji talking to your friend, right? following your face patterns, right? This is how they're like, look, it's so much fun getting on the game. They started early with Microsoft with avatars on HP webcams and whatnot, mapping out your micro expressions. So that way they can recreate videos of you. This technology has been around for so long, so long. And everyone has voluntarily contributed. I, I moved from the iPhone The minute Face ID kicked in, the minute that kicked in that I have to open, I was okay with biometrics, I'm in a file anyway. (laughs) I'm in a file. I was part of the armed forces. My fingerprints are everywhere. I don't have a problem with that. But my face, though, that's I have a problem with. Because you can watch recorded videos of me many, many times, but it's not the same to map the technology, to map the cadence to map your face. Can't. Yet if you put 
an image of someone, any image, a piggy or a fox or maybe Barack Obama, or let's get more specific to why this conversation is happening. Let's pretend we put two individuals to pretend, supposedly, that they're Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton sitting on the AG's plane talking, right? Because those planes are monitored, So you have a conversation on the airplane. There is no spot on that plane that is not video and audio surveilled just in case someone decides to slip in a USB key and copy stuff. That's a, that's a flying skiff, right? Flying skiff. So again, do you think that they're not being monitored? (laughs) Haha, wrong. They are. So we have all this talk for the past months. Look at me. BuzzFeed even made a video where some dude was talking, pretending to be Obama. The voice would come out. The hand movements would come out that it's Obama. Yeah, we have the technology. Why the ramp up, though, in the past couple months? He went to Europe, talked about it. He went here, talked about it. He went to Canada the other day, talked about it. Why? Because it's going to be coming. It's all coming now. You know, it's pretty important how... Um, it's all coming out now, but you know, other things are coming out now. See, Obama talked about that, but I'm going to play to you a encounter that he had with an ABC, I think reporter, which is more telling than anything. Someone will see it as, oh, these are just two buddies. And the guy tweeted it out all proud. And it was pretty much showing that the media is avoiding communications with Barack Hussein Obama. So Michael Wilbon who's a co-host of Pardon the Interruption, right? Met with Barack Hussein Obama in Canada as America's number one basketball fan. Take a listen to the video and how desperate he sounded, but more looked. Hey, Wilbon, you've been dodging me, man. I keep on being stuck with corn How you doing? So I'll stop it right there because there's not a lot of audio. But I'm going to tell you, have you ever watched a TV show or a movie where someone is like so satisfied that someone so evil is in a horrible place and they have this sly look? That was me watching this video again. I've watched it a few times. Because the one thing you'll see is, what did he say? Hey, man, you've been dodging me. I'm stuck with, take a listen again. You've been dodging me, man. Yeah, he's been dodging you because they're all under surveillance and you're stuck with whoever. First of all, he looked off his face. Obama looked completely off his face. He looked weak. He looked like a thug. A thug that's still trying to play face, save face, and look like he's the man when he's not. And Michael Wilbon was very controlled, like, hey, man, and put, like, a firm hand on the shoulder, kind of toned him down because he was being loud and drunk. You could tell he was off. For me, that's satisfaction because he knows it's coming. You could be in Canada rallying up your troops, man, 
But they ain't coming for you. You could say it was a social business. I haven't seen Michelle around. Have y'all seen her? I haven't. So there we go on just how much panic there is. I want all of you guys to savor that moment and understand just how far this has gone. This is pure panic. And I just tweeted that out. Hashtag panic. So you guys can watch the video yourself. It was super interesting to watch. Very interesting. What is going on? Again, I am being disconnected. It seems as if it seems as if my radio show is constantly being disconnected, you guys, whenever I bring up some facts. This is shocking today. Hmm. I don't know where I left it. Maybe we should play the clip that I love so much. Let's play it again. DM me and tell me where it stopped off. What well, what's going on? It's disconnecting me again. You've been dodging me, man. I keep on being stuck with corn hazards. So super drunk, weak Obama is stopped trying to rally his troops in Canada, but pretending that he's watching football, what basketball, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Justin Trudeau can't save himself. He ain't going to save you either. That's the way it goes. That is the way it goes. Yet they are coming hard, man. They're going to try to silence you any which way it can. Um, I know a lot of you are asking me, like, what's going on? What's going on here? What is happening with your service? Um, Guys, I'm connected. I don't know why. It's constantly disconnecting me. It's been doing that throughout this whole show. I guess it doesn't want it. But, you know, I'm recording it anyway. So it'll be up. It'll be totally up soon, so no worries on that. Many, many things, many, many things are coming up. You know, uh, I told you guys last week that they're starting on, you know, um, President Trump's impeachment, which was a problem. Uh, It's happened again, uh, that they're coming out with it. They've been planning it since day one. Uh, you know, Obama's rallying his troop, rallying that intelligence, trying to make some sense of it, trying to push for it because the ones that we are impeaching are the ones that used to be in power. Retroactive impeachment boy is big and it's inevitable at this point because Comey is seeking for a lifeline from us claiming the higher loyalty per se not really, but I'm really, but I'm really, no one's listening anymore. You can put it out there and you can claim that it's so, but it's not. What people need to understand is what is happening. You know, people need to understand the small nuances, the small pushes. This is important that people understand what is really, really happening there? It's full out war. And we have our president in the beast slayer right now. And that's the safest place he can be. The safest place. Because sometimes saying things so loud, like McCord said, you can't prove it. You can't prosecute it because if you prosecute it, they were right. You're going to tell the judge. 
so-and-so told me XYZ. We hear Tori saying XYZ. Well, we need to get her arrested for saying that. But we can't because even though she said that, if we say that it's because she said that, then because she said that means it's true. So we just got to leave it alone. You know, um, before we get into the monopolies, since I've been, my flow was a little bit uh, disrupted. What we need to look at is how everything has come to be from this weekend. From a shooter where the targets are not being named to a shooter, again, zombie-like shooting, to Assange coming up ill, to Iran having conversations with our president, to North Korea not wanting to be a prisoner anymore, to Saudi Arabia taking the lead on addressing Iran in while they're engulfed in the Gulf by sold-out Arabs. These are all big things that we must pay attention to because it will all make sense this week for everything that's to come. Today, not only do we have the president of the UK and Pompeo out and about talking, but we just got that the Supreme Court rejected the the rule on Medicare by Obama. His legacy is being taken apart One by one. Things are happening at a rapid pace these next two weeks and they will come at a stall and a standstill until we see Barr. That's really important. Until we see Barr come forward Things will come at a standstill. So we're going to be busy, 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 and then bar, and then boom. Okay? So that's where we're at on that end. Now let's focus on the domestic stuff. So as I was saying, all of this foreign relations stuff is all tied in. But we have to remember the first battle our president lost, he lost, that he campaigned a little bit about in October of 2016, And promise that he made, he kept. He battled it out. He went to court to fight for a free economy, to fight for free speech, to fight for free access to information, and lost. And he lost because of the media. He lost because of a judge. And I'm really hoping that U.S. District Judge Richard Leon is being investigated. Now, this morning I retweeted an article called Socializing TV, Free Speech Under Attack on All Fronts. The reason I brought this up is because, and this is I brought to you seven months ago, again, like the president said, I told you seven months ago, seven months ago, I brought this up and it happened, you know, in June of 2018. So it's been a year, but he tweeted out today and let me read the tweets out to you. Give me a second. He's been busy, hasn't he? I love him. He has no qualms about tweeting out the truth. And that's what's important. 
just arrived in the United Kingdom. The only problem is, is that CNN is the primary source of news available from the U.S. After watching it for a short while, I turned it off. All negative and so much fake news. Very bad for the U.S. Big ratings drop. Why doesn't the owner, AT&T, do something? I believe that if people stopped using or subscribing to AT&T, they would be forced to make big changes at CNN, which is dying in the ratings anyway. It's so unfair with such bad fake news. Why wouldn't they act? When the world watches CNN, it gets a false picture of the USA. Sad. Now, this article that I wrote on November 26, 2018, was more so out of frustration. I did a whole show about it. Uh, You can probably find it in my archives. If you subscribe to the podcast, you can listen to it too. But it's important I recycled that article because sometimes, you know, past... Like the like history and the past always proves the future and the present. I mean, we know this. History repeats itself. Things said in the past always manifest at the right time in the future to show that this was preemptive speech. That you were warned, like the president said, I told you seven months ago. And here I'm saying I told you seven months ago about this. <laughs> so the doctrine of socialism is the creation of monopolies. That is the only way you have socialism, by the creation of monopolies, namely the centralization of all businesses in the hands of an all-controlling monopolistic state. So that is the doctrine. Okay, You create a monopoly. We've seen it. Big global giants. People are angry at banks like Chase and Wells Fargo and Bank of America, but they still bank with them because they think that, well, if I bank with them, then that means I'm financially successful. No, it means you're dumb and you're following the masses. Deal with the banks that you like. Oh, I have AT&T and I get free DirecTV. No, duh. That's why they bought DirecTV, to lure you into working with them. That is how it happens. Now, President Trump, in 2016, had stated on October 22nd, 2016, as an example of the power structure I'm fighting, AT&T is buying Time Warner and thus CNN, a deal we will not approve in my administration because it's too much concentration of power in the hands of few. He said that on October 22nd, 2016, but nobody pays attention. Those of you that are dish customers started paying attention on November 1st of 2018, didn't you? Because I'm a dish customer because the minute DirecTV won the court case against the president and that judge sided with DirecTV in good faith that they would not monopolize any channels or any distribution, which they lied. Because in October of 2018, they decided to up the prices on the channels they now owned. So if you are a Dish customer, you are no longer allowed to have HBO. What people don't seem to realize is that the president already knows what's going on. He's not rolling with the punches. His speeches are pretty much recycled speeches from 20 years ago. He's been saying the same thing. He is consistent. And nothing's changed over the decades, which shouldn't be applauding. We shouldn't be applauding that nothing's changed. That's scary. That means we wouldn't be where we are today if someone listened 30, 
years ago. That should tell you everything. Now, on Bloomberg, January 2017, they said Trump told a friend in the last few weeks that he still considers the merger to be a bad deal. Said one of the people who asked not to be identified because the conversation was private. Trump's chief strategist, Steve Bannon, is also opposed to the deal, another person said. So here's another leaking thing. Private conversation with President Trump or incoming President Trump, because at that time, it was January 5th when it was reported. He hadn't sworn in yet. And leaking already. Hasn't even sworn in, already got leakers next to him. But he was right. The bottom line is that he was right because the federal judge approved the $85 billion merger between AT&T and Time Warner in June of 2018. And what people don't seem to realize is that he greenlighted it, arguing that it would, that, um, you know, the president argued that it would hurt competition, that we can't get competition. This is where the good stuff comes in, all right, guys? You can't have competition if there's big, big whale against minnow fish. Dish right now has gone down in subscribers because they can't get all the channels because DirecTV said so. President Trump had predicted it. Not only is AT&T a phone and satellite TV giant, they have um, internet, they own channels, <coughs> Warner Brothers, Game of Thrones this year. I had to buy a one-month membership, a one-month um, thing from HBO Go to watch it. And I gave it directly to HBO and then canceled just to watch Game of Thrones. It's pretty sad because this decision that was made by that judge pushes out to the rest of the world. Uh, You know, I have a tweet in that article from a woman saying, still wondering what is taking Dish so long to negotiate and get HBO back on the menu for watching. Don't think I'm alone. And they were like, oh, we've always negotiated with our distributors in good faith. We continue to do so. HBO is making every reasonable effort to reach a new agreement with Dish. In the meantime, please keep myhbo.com for more information on watching HBO. No, Dish is right. Dish should stand firm. And that's why I'm still subscribing to them. And every single American out there should be doing the same. But I'm going to tell you in this last half hour just how big of a deal is. You guys heard about the blackout, YouTube, Google. So happened at AT AT&T too. And you're like, but they're two different companies. Are they? So here's the thing. Our president tried to avoid this disaster. Okay. And the uh, vice president, senior vice president of programming said, plain and simple, the merger created for AT&T immense power over consumers. It seems AT&T is implementing a new strategy to shut off its recently acquired content from other distributors. Did you hear that? This may be the first of many HBO blackouts for consumers across the country. AT&T no longer has the incentive to come to an agreement on behalf of consumer choice. Instead, it's been given the power to grab more money and steal away from the customers. Think about this. If you're a new channel, let's say OAN, right? Do you think DirecTV will keep them on once OAN can't afford to pay fees to be on Dish? No. Or when Dish can't afford to pay them? No. Sling TV, they're buying up all their competitors. AT&T is buying out all their competitors. But then you're just like, but Tori, you said they're connected with Google. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. See, you don't see it either. 
In China, that happened with Weibo. I don't know how many of you are on Weibo. I am. But that's changed in the past, what, four years? Four years is all it took in China to convert over billions of people's way of accessing telephone, video, text, TV, movies. In the United States, it may take 10 years, but they're eating every single one of them up. Every single digitized service up. Everything. Look at Netflix. Disney's going nuts, foaming at the mouth, trying to buy them, and then they're like, fine, die on your own sword. But Netflix revamped themselves, brought in content to make them international content that DirecTV, Sling TV don't offer. But YouTube is starting to. So this is where we're getting into YouTube, Google, and the relationship they have with AT&T that you're just not seeing because this is a massive issue. It was a massive issue two years ago. It was a massive issue five years ago. And it is a massive issue today, tomorrow, and until what that judge did is undone. It's important that all of us take a look at this judge, huh? Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. MyPillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Hopefully, um, my connection won't be disrupted throughout the show. I think it's more so just cutting off while I'm starting on a topic. Only it's kind of like a delay broadcast. Have you guys ever heard of that? Where, you know, you're on the radio or on TV, but it's a couple seconds late and just to make sure things aren't there. I'm going to restate it anyway, and I'm going to be uploading it anyway, so I don't see the point. Um, but it, whenever it disconnects, trust me, we're working hard here at Red State to get it back up, just so you know. So before I get into the meaty, meaty stuff about this blackout and showing you the connections and showing you when, where, and how, I just wanted to play a little clip from Carter Page and what he had to say. Ranking member Devin Nunes on our show last night discussing FISA warrant abuse committed by, yes, upper echelon, high-ranking officials in the FBI. Why? To spy on the Trump campaign. Oh, Jim Comey says, we didn't spy. He signed the first FISA warrant. A U.S. citizen who was caught up in this massive scandal. Our next guest on this Hannity Deep State special quarter page. Uh, I know you're listening. I know this impacted you. You lived through it, but you, in a sense, were being used as a conduit into all things Trump campaign. But you were spied on how many times? Well, there there was four applications, Sean, and uh, who knows? There's uh, the the details as they keep coming out. It just keeps getting worse and worse. So we shall see. Do look, one American citizen, Carter, should not. These are civil liberties, constitutional liberties. And it bothers me that, you know, short of Alan Dershowitz and our friend Doug Schoen, who's here, not many on the left seem to care. It's like the ends justifies the means. What do you want the American people to know now that you know you were a victim of this? Well, I've my feelings about it throughout the whole time is that really this was, as you were alluding to, it was not an attack on me. It was an attack on candidate Trump and the entire Trump movement. And then it continued as president-elect Trump and then into his new administration. So really, that's where the greatest damage was. And so many times did Stefan Halper meet with you? You know, I really lost track, uh, Sean, uh, multiple times. Did you know know he was was a spy? Do you know he was there to spy on you? No. And it was in, in a point in my life when I was under so much pressure with these false stories starting in September 2016. And really, I was being shunned by pretty much everyone except a few fram- family members and did long-term you ever, friends. And did so you ever one work for the I intel could, yeah. community that you would tell us? 
Well, now it's uh, been exposed that I was a uh, informant for both the CIA and FBI. And actually, it's funny because these uh, these reports about, um, you know, people like Brennan and Clapper saying, well, we don't want to expose informants. Well, if you read the Mueller report, they talk about Alexander Bulatov. And that's uh, someone I was talking, a, a Russian based in New York. I was giving uh, information to uh, the FBI about. So, so that when you went into Mueller's in Mueller report, panel so. and they interviewed you, they knew who you were and they knew you did nothing wrong. They knew I, you were yeah. American citizen that was debriefed often. Absolutely. Absolutely. All yes. right, Carter, thank you for being with us. So what did Carter Page tell you? Four now, applications. Joining me now to break all this down and a whole lot down. more. Rudy Giuliani. Personal. No, we don't want to listen to that. So, okay, so what did Carter Page tell us? There were four applications. Yeah, it's the initial one and the three renewals. We talked about it. If you go to Big League Politics under my author page there, so you go bigleaguepolitics.com backslash author backslash Tory, I tell you what's in the FISA um, uh, warrants and applications from last year. Because you're going to see it anyway come to fruition, and, you know, it was there. Hiding in plain sight. Being put out there. Hiding in plain sight. So let's talk about what happened. We had like this huge, uh, you know, Bilderberg meeting, right? Remember, I even wrote an article about Bilderberg meetings and General Mattis. People should take a look at that and see, um, you know, how and what uh, goes on and where and when these are being held. You know, they just, <laughs> it happened to be in Switzerland this year, correct? Also in 2015. But most of them were being held in the United States up until recently, um, not really, you know, pushing out. But if we notice in the two, seven, 2017 one, McMaster had gone there by McMaster. And the reason he went there was different than the reasons that Pompeo went there this year. One standard guy that always goes there is who? Kissinger. You'll see him mentioned in my article that I wrote about the Bilderberg meetings. You should take a read on that if you're more interested to find out. Funny, Henry Kissinger, where else did he pop up? Many places. That's where you need to look at to see who stays and who goes and see the relations. Now, one thing people um, don't seem to know is what these meetings are. Okay, so these started uh, pretty much around the Cold War, let's say. Um, it was kind of like a club, kind of like the clubs you belong to with your alma maters or colleges that are related. Like, you know, if you have membership to the Harvard Club or the Princeton Club, I have a couple memberships. Um, but, you know, they all kind of were part of American and European leaders, a lot of corporate, too, mostly politicians, but corporate politicians. Let's put it that way. And supposedly they were coming together to withstand communism um, in general. Let's just make it easy. Cold War, blah. They were against the Soviet Union, right? Period. And so the first one that happened was in Austrich, uh, and that is in Holland. Pretty funny how Pompeo was talking <laughs> with the Dutch the other day. So anyway, the first one ever held was at the Bilderberg Hotel in Osterbeck. And ever since, 
Bilderberg Group. It was held annually um, throughout the world, of course. The majority of them were in the United States. Lately, we've seen a lot um, coming out in different places. Uh, so the group's choice of country to host is Switzerland. And I talked about Switzerland two weeks ago and how we finally had the president of Switzerland come in and meet with our president, where he also asked them to facilitate being our embassy in Venezuela, but other things too. For some reason, Switzerland has been deemed neutral ground for some war that we don't know about. Think about it. Look at their flag. Looks like the Red Cross. Whenever you see a Red Cross flag, what do you do? Not fire. It's universal law, isn't it? Switzerland is a funny place. Switzerland, to me, I'll tell you from a personal experience, having been to Switzerland many, many, many times in my lifetime, is kind of the way I felt when I initially, first time, went to Canada in a capacity where I got to tour, meaning it was just me. I had nothing but a social visit. It wasn't work. It wasn't hotel, you know, airport, hotel, meeting, hotel, airport. It was arrived, walk around, go to their local supermarket, chill, more of a relaxed event. In Canada, what I felt was that it was really creepy to be a citizen. It's the same feeling you get in Switzerland. Super creepy in the sense of there is no real, um, I would say, identity. Okay, no real identity. It's very neutral. But you also have this false feeling of even though there's this creepy, nefarious side, there's a positive side. It's as if you can see, if it was like a fantasy novel, you would be walking around in the street and you would literally see, you know, all the scariest things that you would think are creeping in your closet and under your bed, walking side by side with the most heavenly things that you can imagine saving people like you would see angels and demons walking together and no one doing anything it's just like what is that place called in in stories uh where good and evil coexist but they don't mesh i don't know it's just weird you have this false sense of i'm safe here but also wow so creepy it's important that I point that out. And this is just my opinion. I don't know. Many of you have also been in Switzerland. Uh, if you've actually been around the place as a, you know, just a person walking around. I've been there many times socially. Other times that melds with business. I've taken my children there too. Um, well, actually only one of them I've taken there. Uh, and she was actually present to actually see the button and put her little baby fingers on the button so we can play with the collider. It was, it was a pretty interesting experience years ago. So basically, what do these Bilderberg meetings do? They talk about things. It's all secretive. Nobody talks about it. But this is where they make deals. This is where it's the whole vision of Abe that I gave you guys, where it's the guy laying on the couch in the club, in the back, with the drink in one hand, cigarette in the other, loose shirt and talking business kind of thing. This is exactly what goes on. This is where the big deals happen. This is where big wigs, CEOs, financiers 
happen to exist. Sometimes even artists. You would think, why would someone want an artist there? I don't know. You tell me. Because it's the arts, the world of the arts and entertainment, along with the news industry, that pair in hand to be the voice of those that are the corporate giants and the political movers and shakers, correct? And, you know, attendees are all part of, you know, the U.S. westernized type world, except for a few other hand-picked regions like Turkey, which is really weird because that's the far east, as far east as you'll get, I guess. Um, Now, the Shanghai Corporation has been flirting with the idea of being in on this, and that's something that is odd. But here's the thing. During that meeting, we had the Google CEO there too. Now, every single time there's a Bilderberg meeting, you have protesters, you have people complaining, people um, standing up, people pointing out who's there, who's not there. Uh, You know, these are supposedly really top secret. You know, we've had a lot of people attend them. Bezos attended them before he made his big push out as Amazon, before getting the fixed, fixed contract with the U.S. government. You know, we've had Gates, the Rockefellers, again, I'm repeating Kissinger, and, you know, ready to set for flight with your ears, Prince Charles, Clintons, you name it, they've been there. So what have they been discussing? That's the thing. What people don't seem to understand is what they're trying to do is find out what's next for Europe. Europe now has been, it's done. Climate change and sustainability is code for something else. That can't be discussed. That shan't be discussed. Shall not. Because it's just way too out there. So, But it is one of the topics. And it really has to do with sustainability in, in, in actual fact of this planet. But not in the way people see it. Obviously, they're going to be talking about Brexit because that's causing the issues for Europe too. Um, artificial intelligence. And ethics behind it. I mean, they've clearly stated what they're going to be talking about. China, Russia, the importance of space, and the future of capitalism. Now, why would the future of capitalism be put on the agenda? What are you trying to say? That we do not want capitalism? Because we haven't had capitalism in a long time. We've had pseudo-capitalism. With all these fiat currencies, pseudo-capitalism. So what people need to understand is the weaponization of social media, cyber threats, important of um, a- the importance of AI, because AI runs our social media. And if you give AI too much power, then what happens? You know, when you have an algorithm that is so hard set, you know, kind of like what Brennan and Carlin were trying to convince the courts was doing when in essence they had planted Snowden to plant, extract, replicate, and push through the algorithm, but that's another topic. But also they're going to be talking about space. One of the first things the president did, and I'm like, yeah, he asked the question when he became president, was to establish a space force. And a lot of people, when they're looking up at the sky, they believe that everything they see that twinkles is a star. But what if I told you that you're probably looking at more satellites than you are stars? The amount 
of satellites we have is incredible. And space in itself is incredible. And a lot of businesses have established satellites with cooperation. And I'm just going to leave that there. Circling back to the downing of the systems. Certain updates were actually issued across all Alphabet Inc. companies. Alphabet Inc. is the company that owns Google, owns a lot of other subsidiaries. We've got YouTube. You know, and a lot of people think that Facebook, Twitter, the Play Stores, the iTunes Stores are all impartial. They're not. But it also had updates with AT&T. Why? Now, when I purchased my Google Pixel 3, Um, and that's for my personal phone. So whatever I put on there, I know is monitored all the time. I'm okay with that because I got nothing to hide. Um, and I hate the fact that they're doing it. They're doing it anyway. But when I'm talking about things I can't talk about, obviously I'm not using it. But what I noticed is that when, when it came in the package, when I pre-ordered it, and by the way, I'm actually very happy with the phone, extremely happy. Um, I noticed that they sent me a thing where I can change my number over from whatever carrier I want and have it on Google Fi, which is like their own um, phone network. So keep that in mind when I say a lot of people were complaining yesterday, as we know, AT&T was out in my state and people were like, well, I have Cricket, why is it out? Because Cricket is owned by AT&T, right? How many other companies are owned by AT&T? Tons of them. They were all out. So... Think, what link could be to AT&T and Alphabet Inc.? Could it be the cell phone towers? Gosh darn it. Do you see where I'm going with this monopoly issue? Because they're all working together. Alphabet Inc. will be absorbing DirecTV on the course that they're at within the next five to seven years. Their collaboration with uh, internet services being provided through Google Internet. Some cities already have it through Google Fiber, correct? AT&T does not have fiber. They usually, they have more of the ADSL. This is where they're looking to work. They're already starting to work on phones, which means indeed in space, they share what exactly? Satellite space. Now, I've spoken about satellites before with the ArabSat and Helesnat at, um, Sat, Helesat and ArabSat 1 in space. See, these are really big deals because communications are a very intricate relationship amongst each other. And as we know today, on June 3rd, 2019, the way we communicate is through telephone, instant messaging, instant video, instant voice, internet searches, whatnot. Well, we had this announcement come up and I'm going to listen to, I want you guys to just listen to Judge Napolitano for a second, even though I can't stand him, uh, to what he says. I think I may have skipped through him because I don't like him, but here we go. You know, remember what did Trump say? When I'm going to do something, I'm not going to tell him I'm going to bomb him. I'm just going to do it, right? When have you ever heard the Department of Justice saying, oh, we're going to start an investigation? Just listen. Department reportedly laying the foundation for a potential antitrust investigation focused largely on the company's search practices, this according to the Wall Street Journal. The company also recovering from an hours-long outage yesterday affecting YouTube, Gmail, other services. 
Joining me now, Fox News senior judicial analyst, Judge Anna Napolitano, on the antitrust investigation. It almost Not seems so mundane to talk about antitrust after watching that spectacular ceremony. <laughs> but, uh, look, the, the, it is unusual. I mean, the Wall Street Journal, my hat is off to them as to how they got this. It is unusual for the government to announce that they are beginning an investigation. The investigation of Microsoft, before they filed a single document in court, mm -hmm. took six years. So we are at the earliest stage this is not a popularity contest. It doesn't matter what people think of Google. If it ever comes to, if they're ever charged and it ever comes to trial, there won't be a jury. It's just a judge. It's all economics. Does their behavior enhance or inhibit competition? Oops, there we go. So does it enhance or inhibit? What did we learn? What lesson have we learned by AT&T merging with DirecTV and then purchasing out Time Warner? that it inhibits competition. See what I'm saying? So Alphabet Inc. is already in bed with AT&T. The updates, the shutdown was one. You know, the Google CEO was actually at the Bilderberg meeting. We had Google executives, right? Just putting it out there. Second, it went down because an algorithm that was implemented through an update was reversed. Because that algorithm, and I'm going to tell you now, and you can take your face value, or you can wait seven months to find out, was actually Chinese-born algorithm. And like President Trump said, a lot of companies are subsidizing so they can still sell their products here. You know, there's even news organizations that are Chinese. One of them is Epoch Times. I'm just saying. We need to be paying more attention to the little things that are being said. Now, Judge Napolitano made it clear. The bottom line is it's economics. <laughs> well, the bottom line was economics, too. When, when they went in front of the judge, when the Trump administration said, don't let this happen because it minimizes competition. It's not healthy. It's not moving forward. It's creating a monopoly. And the judge said, well, I don't think they're going to be doing anything. This is good faith. I don't see any economics being harmed. Well, what does that judge have to say now? So this is where we're at, putting the links together. And this announcement, reportedly exploring antitrust probe of Google, coupled with the fact that they blacked out, that was because, guess what? When they're telling you they're exploring, they already have subpoenas. And when they have subpoenas, they need a snapshot of everything you have. Who fell from that snapshot? That's how you see who's connected. It's kind of like if you want to see how big a web is, but you can't see it, right? You know there's a lot. You're standing in front of a doorway that has like this huge patches of webs. To see which web is connected to the main source right? You pluck it from the center and then you pull, right? And that's how one whole web comes off. Well, what they did was they took a snapshot <laughs> to see just how that concentrated web, even though they may overlap with other webs, it's just that one. Think of putting your hand in the center of the web, just visualize that. And then you grab the center of the web and you pull. So then the feet detach, right? Obviously there might be some stringing along from another web, but you can see the beginning and the end of the web. If you gently pull, pull out like you're, you know, puffing it up in a spike towards you, you pull. That's what we did. And what happened was incredible. Like obviously other things were tugged and pulled. Like we had a couple of disruptions on Facebook because they're interconnected. We had a couple of disruptions on Twitter because they're interconnected. But darn, we had a blackout. 
on AT&T, didn't we? And DirecTV. What? Are you saying that they're not interconnected but directly connected? That's the key. And this is what it is being proven. See, because you can have a company within a company within a company within a company. But in the end, there's one umbrella. Oh, what was it? You know what uh, logo represents this the most? There was something called Traveler's Insurance back in the day that had like an umbrella logo. And then Citigroup started buying out little banks. And then they started buying insurance company. And then they... Citibank became Citigroup because they bought Travelers and now they have this umbrella and it's like we're the Citigroup umbrella that houses all of these. So Alphabet Inc. is the umbrella. And remember, I've told you that most of the senators and people in the house get what kind of stock? That's right. Alphabet Inc. Google stock. See, this is where your eyes should be looking. Because to create a good socialist community, right, according to the socialists, you need to have control. And you know those movies that show a futuristic era where a private company is running everything, right? That's going to be the next state. It's this corporate control. And this corporate control has been here for a very long time and in subtle notions, giving you the idea that there's competition, but they're all linked together. I mean, if YouTube had a blackout and Google had a blackout and now they're talking, oh, maybe the searches are benefiting other people. This is baby talk. That's so pedestrian and insulting to Americans. The bottom line is who's directly connected and you saw it with the fall. That's how you see it. You pull on the web and you tug and we tugged and what do we see? Oh, What's going on here, AT&T? Looks like you're in trouble again. Pay attention to the small nuances. I can't believe my two hours are up, guys, already. And with so many disruptions, but I will be putting this up with no disruptions online in a few hours. Um, Thank you all for tuning in. I will see you here tomorrow with tons more to talk about because, like I said, this week is going to be insane. Completely insane. So from all of us here at Rent State Talk Radio. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to say thank you to Standing Strong. And God bless America from all of us here at Red State. Have a great evening.